Well, this past uh, Christmas, uh, I got a, a chance to go down to Florida to visit Kelly's uh, family there, which was just amazing time, being able to spend uh, Christmas there. And, um, you know, on the road trip down there, uh, you know, because we ended up driving about a 13-hour drive down to Florida, and it just kind of brought back all these memories. You know, memories about driving down to Florida. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Kelly and I started dating uh, way back when um, in high school. When we were 17 years old, and um, I would take the trip from Northern Virginia, where where I lived, and my dad and I would drive down to Florida so I could go on dates with my girlfriend Kelly. And you know, it was kind of, it was just so, all these memories, you know, flood back, uh, especially when you see the south of the border, you know, you know signs, yeah. and it's just, yeah. the excitement builds, and then you pass it, and you're just like, whoa, I don't know what that was. I don't think they've done anything to that place. Um, nothing. Yeah, in years. But uh, it just got me thinking about it. You know, when I first started driving down there, we had like the paper map. Remember, you know what I mean? Like the actual physical map in your hands that you'd, you know, unfold it, lay it out because you couldn't unfold it when you're driving. It, you know, it blocked your view. You think texting and driving was bad. Try looking at, you know, a map and driving. But you'd lay it out, right? And then you plot your, you know, your like, you know, course down there and you're just like, well, if there's really bad traffic, here's the other way we can go. And you know, you set on out. And uh, you know, after a little bit, MapQuest came around. You, do you guys remember MapQuest, right? You know, then it was like, oh, this is awesome. I get to punch it in digitally and then I got to print it out. And you print it out and then you bring it with you. You know, I used to staple it so I could get, you know, I have my trip there and then my trip back. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be set. It's going to be great. You know, and then GPS came out, right? You know, and being able to go down to Florida this time, I had GPS with me. Wow. And that on your phone, I mean, you talk about things that have changed your life. Yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. GPS has changed your life. <laughs> there are certain things that are just, when you take a step back, you're just like, this is an amazing tool in my hand. And it made it so easy. It even, you know, there's a traffic jam that brings you around it. And it doesn't, it just like tells you, it asks you, do you want to save five minutes? You're like, of course I do. <laughs> yes. You know, and it brings you around in GPS. I love it because it tells you where you are and it tells you where you need to go and how to get there. You know, but what about you and God? What if you had something similar to that? We're going to call it a GPS. You know, for the obvious. God, GPS, right? You guys put that one, two together. But, you know, what if you had something that could tell you the will of God for your life? I mean, how many of you would want that device? I mean, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? You just plug it in, you know, successful marriage. How do I get there? It's like, well, do this, do that, turn here, turn there, you know, stop right there for a moment. That would be fantastic. What about being, you know, I'm going to be a successful teen disciple and make it into campus ministry and have an incredible time there. How do I get there? You know, plenty of those would sell. But, you know, as Christians, it seems as if we should know, shouldn't we? That, you know, as Christians, if we claim to follow Jesus, if we claim that Jesus is Lord, then somehow we should know what direction we're headed in. And that direction somehow should line up with the will of God. 
But sometimes, if you're anything like me, I don't know what direction is telling me to go. You know, there are easy things to pick up where I'm like, okay, clearly, you know, the Bible tells me that I need to do this or do that. But what about those gray areas where the Bible's not so clear on what is the will of God? You know, and I think for a lot of us, we make it finding the will of God more complex than it needs to be. You know, for you, I mean, if if we're just thinking, this is a question and answer thing we'll do here. What about for you, are you certain that is the will of God for your life? What do you guys think? Make, Make disciples, right? I mean, that's a very clear command in the Bible. There's no kind of, you don't need discernment on that one. It says it and we go do it, right? What else do you think? Moral behaviors, right? What is right and what is wrong in the sight of God? What else do we think? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? You know, how about serving God? Right? We know we got to do that. We know we got to walk in the path that God has set out for us. We know that uh, we got to love our spouse. That's not hard to figure that one out. We know that we got to train our children in the ways of the Lord. I don't have to discern whether to do that or not. God has it clearly spelled out in the scriptures. You know, and what I want to talk about today is two different categories of God's will. Let's go to, um, let's talk about God's revealed will and his concealed will. Now, when you think about the um, revealed will of God, like we had spoken about here, you know, a couple minutes ago, is that there are direct commands, literally spoken by God himself. Which we as Christians can have full confidence in the fact that this is the will of God, not only for us collectively, but for us um, individually. That this is the will of God, this is the direction we need to be going in. And that's a very obvious thing, it's not difficult to find within the scriptures. Right, and of course the question that begs to be answered is, are we doing it? Are we actually headed in that direction? That God wants us to go. Are we actually following the GGPS, right? But then when it comes to his concealed will, that's where it becomes to have a, to, it becomes to be a challenge to figure that one out. Now, where do we go with that? No, but, so, but I want to present to you this morning that the revealed is actually directly connected to the concealed will of God. You know, we got to make sure, obviously, first that we're living out the revealed will of God in order to reveal the concealed will of God. You guys with me here on that one? You know, when when it comes to the concealed will of God, I mean, we can come up with a lot of different things. Where should we live? You know, where should we go to school? What kind of job should we take? You know, should we go for that promotion? Should we have that second job? Should we move? Should we relocate for schools or a nicer home or to be closer to family? You know, how should we raise our kids? When should we stop giving spankings? Oops, said it there, didn't I? Spankings, yes, it's in the Bible. Um, you know, when should we start taking away things, grounding our kids? How long should that go for? You know, these kind of areas, it's like, what do we do? How do we know what the will of God is? 
No, but like I said, the concealed and the revealed is so closely tied together. Yeah. You know, for Kelly, as a young oh girl, Kelly, some of you guys saw the Facebook post I put up there going back to her, uh, to her childhood home. Yes, and I posted a photo of her. It was like age seven or eight. Six. Yes, it looked uh, eerily and kind of scary like my oldest son Maddox. Um, I didn't tell him that because I didn't want to you know, scare him. But, um, you know, so Kelly, as a young woman in the faith, wrote out a list who she wants as her spouse. You know, and of course, she started with the um, revealed will of God that he's got to be a godly man. You guys, see, you guys are already, you can't, you can't laugh for the punchline. I haven't even got there yet. Um, he's got to be a godly man, right? I mean, we see in 2 Corinthians 6 is that, hey, it's got to be a believer. He's got to be a man of conviction. You know, and then she had some other things on there. You know, kind of dark and handsome. You know, mysterious. Kind of like a young George Clooney. Mixed with like a Brad Pitt, you know. <laughs> of course, she saw me. And it checked all the boxes. Yeah. You know, I mean. Okay. <laughs> so, you guys can take that. You can write notes on that one, take it back. Do what you want with that. Um, but you know, that really is a challenge for us. Is how do we know what God's will is? How do we know what direction we need to be going? And you know, for, for us as Christians, it's impossible to love God without following His will. It just is. You cannot love God if you decide not to follow Him. It goes hand in hand. Now as Christians, as we are marked by God, we should always continually be seeking the will of God. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1. Come on, Jeff. We're going to be reading here um, with the disciples, for them really seeking the will of God. In a time where it must have been really confusing for the early disciples, we know that Jesus just went up to heaven, and they're kind of left there, and Jesus hands them the ball, and he says, hey, go for it. Yeah. But before you go for it, wait there in Jerusalem. And they're like, okay, I guess we'll just sit around and wait until something happens. You know, in verse 12, it says, Then the um, um, excuse me, um, um, apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they um, arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and, son, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, um, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. That's encouraging to know that his family comes around, right, and follows. In verse 15, it says, In those days, Peter stood up um, among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be uh, fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served... As a guide for those who um, arrested Jesus. He was one of the number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field 
There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language um, Akedema. That is the field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May this place be deserted. Let there be no one dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord, the Lord Jesus was living um, with us. Beginning with John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these men must become a witness with us for his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph called um, Bar, uh, Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and, um, excuse me, Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over this um, apostolic ministry. When Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the um, 11 um, apostles. You know, and I'll stop right there. Is, you know, with the disciples, there must have been a, you know, a moment of what do we do with Judas? You know, for us, reading the Gospels, we already know what Judas is going to do. We kind of already mark him from the very beginning as a bad guy. But for the 12, this was one of their brothers. They traveled three years with this man. He was... He was like family to them. And they're left there feeling like, what are we going to do with this? And he, he not only betrayed Jesus, but he betrayed all of them as well. And so they wanted to find someone to take his place. Someone to be able to witness to the rest of the world who Jesus was. You know, and this number of 12 for Peter was very um, special. The way Peter saw it was, okay, if God's plan from the very beginning of time was to redeem his people, he chose the 12 tribes to go out there uh, within the Old Testament. And Jesus, what do you know? He chooses 12 for him to go spread the gospel message. And so for Peter, he, he felt like in order for this to move on to the next level, we have to be complete. We have to fall in line in sync with God's plan. So we got to find one more man. But unfortunately, Jesus did not give him the name of who that 12th guy was. And so Peter and the other disciples were left to search for the will of God. Sure. Like you and me, they had that question of, now what? Yeah. I know I got to do something, but now what? And the first thing they did, I want to present to us this morning is, they turned to prayer. You know, when faced with trying to find the concealed will of God, what did the disciples do? They constantly were in prayer. You know, for me, this is a call higher, right? I mean, I, I log away 15 minutes and I'm feeling good. I'm like, whoo, I made it through my prayer list, even added some extra things in there, God. You know, really feeling good this morning. But it said they were constantly in prayer. Constantly in prayer about seeking the will of God. You know, for myself and probably many of us, I'm quick to run to the phone. Internet search, right? Google, what is the best neighborhood to live in in Virginia Beach? What's the best car that will get the best mileage and last the longest? Right? I mean, I don't turn to God in prayer for that stuff. Seems kind of odd to think about, doesn't it? If I'm following Jesus and everything that I do, I don't ask him about those things. 
You know, we can't just turn to prayer. We've got to be in prayer when we're making these decisions, as we're living our lives, as we're walking in the will of God. You know, secondly, the disciples searched the Word. And for Peter to be able to pull out these Psalms, I mean, he was deep in the Word. I mean, we're talking about some random scriptures here. Like if you were asked, hey, what do you think about finding a 12th disciple? I don't know. I'm not turning to Psalms and pulling out those two scriptures. But here we see that Peter has a deep understanding and he is in the word of God to be able to discern what he should be doing. You know, what about us? We got it sitting right here in front of you. Literal, the word of God. An incredible tool to help us to be able to, you know, discern what is the will of God. Not only in things that seem obvious, but the concealed areas of our lives. Right. To be able to look at it and say, okay, what is the heart of God when it comes to my decisions? You know, for myself, I, I run to others first. You know, I run to others that are wiser than me and say, hey, what should I do? And I, I neglect looking at the scriptures. Like, what am I doing? Somehow the process has been flipped. There are some wise people in this room. Trust me, you should go seek wise advice. But I'm going to go to the place where it all starts. Yeah, that's right. Come on, Jeff. Back to the scriptures first. No, we can't place anything in that, the word, that, excuse me, that the world has to offer or others over the word of God itself. Right. Right. And thirdly, we see that the disciples, they did their homework. They really sought, how are we going to figure out what the will of God is? We've we got to find somebody who has been with Jesus from the beginning to the end. If, if our purpose, if our point is that they go out there and they spread the gospel message, they've got to know what they're talking about. You know, for a lot of our decisions, we've got to be able to lay it out there and say, what do we want in this? We've got to be able to weigh the pros and the cons, not just rush into a decision and say, well, this is what God's calling me to do. Or probably more likely, this is what I want to do. You know, when looking at how the disciples not only turned to prayer, looked at the word, laid it all out there, figured out what are the options before them, we start to see that God reveals his will to them. You know, I remember about five years ago, Kelly and I got a phone call and we were asked to move here to Virginia Beach. Um, Chicago was our home at that time, and we loved it. I loved Chicago. I was working with the campus ministry there. Loved working with the campus ministry. There is a joy and a, sim a simplicity to working with the campus ministry. You go to campus, you're like, your job is to share your faith. You're like, I can do that. That's all your job is. You get Bible studies, you move that ministry. I'm like, I love it. I love being on the front lines there. You know, and we were called, and it was a hard decision for Kelly and I. You know, and it seemed a bit strange because I, I don't think a lot of you know this, um, but the year before we were actually called and um, interviewed for a position here that we did not get. We were called, uh, we were interviewed to help out Mike as he was leading the church and we were going to be his, you know, his uh, help lead the region there. And so we showed up and we interviewed for that position and Mike said, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's the will of God. And then what do you know, a year later, I get a call to work with the teens. And I'll be straight up honest, that was not my number one choice. It wasn't. 
Now I was working with campus. I'm like, this is kind of a literal back step. Now what am I supposed to do with this? You know, when Kelly and I, we had to decide, you know, how are we going to seek the will of God in this? And I remember praying. I remember going to God and saying, I don't know how you're going to make this clear, but you got to make this clear for me. I want to be close to family. I want to be able to come back to um, Virginia and to be here. But at the same time, I don't want to leave working with the campus ministry in a city that we have grown to love. You know, and so I put it out there and I remember seeking the scriptures, talking to other people, trying to figure out what should we do. And we decided, you know what, we're going to go for it. And here's what ended up happening. We were, we owned our home and we were not in great financial state at that point in time with that home. As a lot of you remember what the market was like about six years ago, especially in a bigger city like that. Not great. So we had to put our home up for a short sale. And if you have done that process or heard about that process, it can be an ugly one. It sold in six days. Wow. Cash. Wow. Guy came to us with cash. The bank said, yep, we love it. We'll take cash today. I'll see you later. And then the crazy thing is we ended up getting a check out of that whole thing, wow. which is even crazier. So we walked out of that deal with, I think it was like $2,000 or something. I'm like, I was under and you're paying me to leave. I'm like, this is fantastic. I was like, God, you're making it clear. Then we ended up finding a house in an um, area that we couldn't live in. We couldn't pay for that house, but we got an incredible deal um, on a rental property right there in the middle where all the teens were. You know, I think about what would have happened if Kelly and I would have just said, you know what, I'm, I'm writing this off. You know, for a lot of our decisions, there are consequences, um, eternal consequences. You know, I'm not going to say that, I, you know, that Kelly and I are the key to, you know, everybody in the team ministry, you know, doing great or getting baptized or I, I, I'm not going to say that at all. But I think about what would have been different if I hadn't stopped and listened to the will of God. But unfortunately, that's not my process every time in my decisions. That was a very seldom shining light in a path that I choose quickly what I feel like I should be doing. You know, in church, we got to weigh our decisions because there are um, eternal consequences. You know, what if you do make a decision that is not in the will of God? What kind of consequences is that going to have on your family, on your spouse, on your workplace, on your coworkers, on that individual that you meet in that grocery store? What kind of consequences? And one of the things that I hadn't seen before about this passage that really jumped out to me was at the core of this decision. At the core of this decision, and I'll put before you this morning at the core of all of our decisions is one thing. One thing that the disciples held on to is this is going to determine the will of God. Is that we are going to proclaim the resurrection. We're going to preach the gospel of redemption. That was it. All their decisions formed around this one thing. Formed around this one area in their lives. Nothing else. They went to prayer to figure it out. They looked in the word to figure it out. They talked to others to figure it out. To all be about one thing. The redemptive message that God had presented to them. Now, this was the purpose of Jesus. The only reason that he came to earth. 
It was about this plan of redemption. Every decision was made not only from God and Jesus and His disciples, but it was in light of this one plan. And for us, is that how we face every decision? Is that what is at the center and the core of our decision-making process? And us trying to seek and to figure out the will of God. Is that at the center? About where you live, where you go to school, are you going to re-enlist? Are you going to go for that master's degree, for that promotion? Are your kids going to be in sports? Do you even want to have kids? Is that at the center? Is this gospel message and spreading the word of God? That was what we see here in the passage so clearly. Is that was their concern. It's all centered around one thing. Pro, uh, proclaiming this gospel message. It wasn't about what is better for me. Which one of the disciples do I like better? Who's the guy that I'd rather hang out with longer? It was about who will be better at furthering the gospel. Now, what are your motivations? What are your concerns when making the decisions that you make in your life? Do those overrule the gospel message? Does that overrule God's plan and purpose for you to proclaim the message that he has given to each and every one of us? That Jesus is Lord of your life and everything. And you are to go spread that message. You know, and what we see here with the disciples is that when they go to God through this process and they go to try to figure out His will, they leave confident, secure, knowing that this is the will of God. You know, for all of us in our tough decisions, isn't that what we want? And knowing that this is what God wants in my life. This is the area and the direction that God wants me to go in. My GGPS is set. And I'm listening to it. That voice of the Holy Spirit is guiding and directing me. The more you seek God's will, uh, will, the more He reveals it to you. It becomes clearer. It's not as hard to find. When you seek after it, it becomes louder, the voice of the Holy Spirit. The volume gets turned up, if you will. When you allow God to speak, and when you allow that center core of spreading the gospel message to be what determines your decisions. And the more you follow His will, the more you seek after it, the clearer it becomes. Knowing what your next steps are. And of course, what comes along with that is the security and the confidence, knowing that you are headed in the direction of God's will. There is no more second guessing. There's a great confidence that comes along with this. You know, to close, I want to look at this um, example. Now, let's say for a moment, this map represents your life. All right, this map is you. Now, this is your life. And as you, here you are right there. As you go along your life, you have these different decisions to make. You know what? School. There's School Drive right there. Career Street. Spouse Boulevard. Life Parkway. You can fill in the blank anywhere you want on those. And you're like, I'm heading in direction. You have turns here that you can go. Different streets you could go to. You know, but honestly, this is probably more accurate. 
Let's call it, instead of your life, your way. See? And as you go along your way, you have these decisions, these crossroads, if you will. There you go. All right. But as you go about, you start to notice that there's another way. That there's another street, the will of God way. And as you go along, you figure out and you see that as I'm going down my way, I have a choice. I can turn down one of these streets and I can go back to my way. Or I can go through that and get on to the will of God. And I can start going in the direction that God has for me. You know, we notice that there is the will of God way. You got to turn off yours, unfortunately, or fortunately, and turn on to the will of God way. So where does your pen drop this morning, church, when making decisions? Is it up there on your way or is it down here with the will of God way? You know, it doesn't happen by chance for you to get on the will of God way. There's no merge. It's got to be an intentional decision, a deliberate choice to follow his will, to allow him to direct your decisions and your way. For you to no longer make choices based around your way or the world's way or what anybody else says you should go, but God's way. Once you get on that way of the will of God way. Everything now will be directed by that way, his will, the way of his message for you spreading that message for you bringing others onto that way. Guided by his Holy Spirit. You know, we have the same choices as before. Those don't change. The only thing that changes is now we got to follow the will of God way. So church. Let us be directed by the will of God and let us travel in the will of God. Amen. Thank you.